Hello and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. And today we're about zombies. Because it's spooky season. Brains. Because it's October and we're doing spooky episodes. That, that's the reasoning. Definitely not Spookisode. because I didn't want to research anything complicated. I mean, fair enough. So, I'm your host, Troy, and my pronouns are he, him, and joining me as always, my co-host. And my name is Ed. My pronouns are were and was, because I are a zombie. Brains. And as we said, today we're talking about zombies. Zombies in pop culture, zombies in board games, zombies in tabletop games, zombies in war games. Because, well, zombies show up in all of these things. And they're everywhere. We're going to talk about some of the ones they show up in. But before that, it's time for the weekend hobby. I'll go first. I've had two Eberron campaign games. Uh, one of them. Well, actually, it's weird because both of them fought Aboliths. They just did it in dramatically different circumstances and with dramatically different results. Uh, the first group descended to the bottom of the dungeon they were in, and they found the Black Lake, and in it there was an Aboleth that popped up and started mind-controlling them. They got some good shots off early, they reduced it to almost, like, almost dead, and then it enslaved the Artificer. And then the Artificer started just wailing on the other party members, and they were busy trying to prevent it, the Artificer from just killing them, and then it popped up and enslaved the Warlock. And then the Warlock started wailing on the Cleric, who was the only one left, and nobody was passing their saves. Just so many failed saves, and it's not even that high of a save to break free of the Aboleth's mind control. So, if an Aboleth enslaves a Warlock, does the Aboleth technically become the Warlock's new patron? Mm, no, because it's not giving them magical powers, it's just taking control of their mind. Uh, in this case, the Aboleth eventually lost control of them uh, due to some good dice rolls, but also had managed to like psychically drain them to get most of its hit points back. Uh, so they had to kill it from scratch. Bro, you stole my hit points. Yes. Uh, and it very nearly killed the cleric in the process. Uh, Death Ward kept him from going down, but he was almost dead. But they killed it, and then they headed back up to the surface, only to find out that the... Well, they took some long rest. They took a long rest, and then they headed back up to the surface, only to find that the succubus that they had, that had escaped from them the last session had beat them back up to the surface by, like, three days because they kept taking long rests due to getting like randomly bloodied by really weak encounters and then an aboleth the succubus had beat them back up to the surface and stolen their airship so now they've got to go chase her down and um well presumably beat her savagely and get their airship back the other group was investigating legends of a sunken pirate ship full of treasure. So they went to a weird little town. They talked to the townsfolk and then the creepy lighthouse keeper who had a bunch of ghosts that were hanging around the lighthouse. 
And then they went out during low tide to where the ship was located and splashing around through knee-deep water, they fought some giant crabs. And then an abolith. Crab battle. Yes, there was a crab battle. <laughs> the giant crabs were actually surprisingly easy, at, or so they thought, until the abolith showed up and started trying to mind control them. Uh, luckily for them... Mind controlled crabs. <laughs> luckily for them, they passed the saves and did not get mind controlled. Um... This led the Aboleth to being killed. And now they are attempting to... They recovered the treasure from the ship, but now they want to go into the Aboleth's cave. The downside to this, that perhaps they aren't thinking through, is that the Aboleth's cave will be entirely underwater. And it's nighttime. And they like are about to run out of the low tide period so when they come out of the cave the entire area will be underwater and they only have a couple of potions of water breathing so they're gonna have to hurry this is going to be a timed adventure they literally see this is will not be able to take a short rest here because if they do they will drown see this is why those submarine caves have those signs with the grim reaper on them that says don't go in here yes that's why you don't go in because there's aboliths and I mean, what treasure could an Aboleth possibly have? It's a, a psychic fish monster. Magic it items? It has no need for treasure. It, it might steal magic items because it, it hoids shit. But how's it going to use it? It has All it has is little fin tentacles. Yeah, but it's psychic. It can, you know, do psychic things. Uh, that's true. Um, I'm not sure what exactly is going to be in the cave. I hadn't planned that far ahead. So uh, we'll see. We will see what they discover in there. Uh, Painting-wise, I haven't finished anything, I think, in the last week. I've done a little bit of stuff. I've gotten some more layers down. I got some stuff primed. But, uh, yeah, nothing finished. Nothing impressive. Ed, what about you? Uh, I haven't really done much this week either, since I've been working a lot of 10- and 12-hour days this week. Uh, it's not really conducive to doing any kind of hobby work. Uh, right now, working on some zombies for Night of the Living Dead. And I'm trying to do them in black and white, like the original movie. And my original plan, uh, which involved contrast paints and underpainting, uh, doesn't work. The test guy that I painted looks like he's in blackface, so I've officially been canceled. Um, trying another one here where I'm basically just dipping the guy in black ink to see how that works. Uh, it actually doesn't look too bad. He almost kind of looks like a character from The Walking Dead since he's got, like, really uh, stark black spots where the ink is at. But I feel like it still needs some more color variations since black and white is not actually black and white. Um, so it might involve doing some more uh, shades of gray for different types of clothing. Like this dude's got a suit. I'd probably be fine hitting that suit with like almost an almost black and then dry brushing some gray over it. Um, so this might actually be a bit more work than I had anticipated, but it's something that I haven't done before, but we'll find out. Um, other than that, I've been just collecting more stuff to work on because that's easy and it doesn't take any work other than the work that I have to do to get the money to get it. Hooray for 
board game hoarding. Hooray, board games. We love board games. Yep. We... I will... I will say, though, when I break open a board game that I haven't played uh, in a while, it doesn't ask me for a 25 gig update. I tried to play Dying Light yesterday before my wife woke up and I was like, oh, I'll play a little bit of Dying Light to keep my recent zombie trend going. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be two hours before it's ready because we're having to uh, download 25 gigs. Sorry. Yeah, that's um, unfortunate and really annoying. I haven't played Cyberpunk in a while, and I know that when I go to open it again, it'll be like, Please wait four hours while we download and install various updates and things that might make the game slightly less glitchy. See, this is why in most cases, board games are superior to video games. Yeah, except for the part where you can play video games when you're alone, and that's harder to do with board games. Not all of them have that solo That is true. That is, that is the one thing that I will give up to video games, is that Assuming it's not asking you for a massive update, you can play it whenever you want. Yes, uh, there was a while where I couldn't get a D&D group going, so I just played a lot of Skyrim. Stuff like that, you know, that that's what video games are good for. Solo play. Sorry, I'm back. I had to close um, my window curtain in any here. Case, there was sun going right in my face. Video games are also good for zombies. Brains. So zombies, where do zombies come from? Uh, the ground. Yes, most of the time. They're dead people that have risen again. Well, okay, so there's some mythological stuff out of the Caribbean with them not really being dead people and being, like, enthralled by shamans and voodoo hoodoo priests, but I'll be honest, I'm not super into that, and the pop culture usage of that is yeah, kind of problematic when it comes up that way. Yeah, there's only one thing that I'm aware of that actually sticks with that mythology, and that's uh, Zombie 2, the unofficial uh, Italian sequel to Night of the Living Dead. It goes with the zombie mythology. So if you want some uh, classic zombie movies, that's one to watch. It's, it's gnarly. Yeah, and also that mythology has clearly fallen by the wayside in terms of pop culture. That may be where it originated from. But that's not what it's understood to be these days. At all. Uh, so It's a pandemic. Just leaving us all triggered constantly. Yeah, so in modern times, zombies are dead people that have come back to life. Or normal people that have been infected by some sort of terrifying disease that makes them monstrous and uh, effectively dead people. Um this can range from the Romero-style shamblers, where they're literally corpses to just come back to life and walk slowly towards you, groaning and trying to attack you, to the 28 Days Later fast zombies, where they're infected by a rage virus that makes them crazy and try to, you know, run after you and attack you. Um, to, well, there's tons of other var varieties. Uh, sometimes the explanation for why they come back to life and are doing this stuff is just vague and unexplained, like in Shaun of the Dead, one of my favorites. Uh, because we said so, that's why. Well, I love that in that one, they almost explain it on the news at the end, but he clicks the channel to something else. <laughs> um, it, it's just perfect. And they drop like four different hints. There's like a mad cow thing and a crashed space probe and something else in the beginning. Like they drop a bunch of hints on what it could be, but then they don't bother explaining it. Yeah. I think that's 
kind of like standard in zombie fiction now is that it doesn't really matter where they came from because nine times out of ten, the protagonists, they're not trying to stop the zombie invasion. They're just trying to survive and where they come from really doesn't matter. It depends. With the exception of maybe 28 days later, because that one gives it a, you know, definite cause. It depends on the exact media. There have been some books and stuff that explain what the cause is and how it, you know, how to solve that. Um, for example, uh, World War Z. Um, Did they give one for that? I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a virus. Long time. Um, it, it's just straight up a virus. I mean, I'm talking about the book, not the film, because I never watched the film and I don't plan on it. In the, yeah, it's a good movie, but it's been a long time since I've read the book. In the book, it, it is just straight up a virus, uh, just a mutated virus that causes it, and you know they don't really have a solution other than just kill all the zombies and organize to keep the zombies killed. Um, but that is kind of uh, because the book takes place after the zombie apocalypse. That sort of is why that works. In any case, it's zombies are such a thing in pop culture that they are everywhere. And there was a time period where it, it was just zombies, zombies, zombies all the time. That seems to have... The golden age of cinema. That seems to have waned a little, I would say. Uh, zombies are still popular, but they're not overwhelmingly so. Um, I guess superheroes replaced that. Although, yeah, I think I don't know. Uh, I think uh, the big like horror movie trend right now is uh, I think they call it social horror, where the horror or whatever monster is involved is somehow linked to some kind of social issue. They're the big thing right now, and honestly, the the world of horror cinema is better for it. There's only so many things you can do with zombies. Ah, but you see, the zombies are representative of, checks notes, the American healthcare system. Uh, that's true if you're Romero. I don't, I don't see that pop up as much in other, uh, zombie fiction, but that was definitely a Romero thing. Yeah. Um, in any case, they're widely spread in pop culture, and that means they made it into board games and tabletop games and role-playing games. Yay. So let's talk about some of those. Uh, I think firstly we'll talk board games, and that would start with Zombies, one of your favorites. Yes. Which we have talked about on a previous board game corner. Yep, it's the game that got me into hobby board gaming, and uh, damn if they aren't still producing content for that game. It's impressive. So it's a it's a cheap and easy thing to develop for. So at this point, they're basically like, uh, uh, zombies in space do it. And, you know, a month later, the game is done. But it's it's a fun enough game. It's not too not too brain taxing, which is good for a zombie game. Yeah, it is very swingy because, you know, it, it's just D6s. Yep. Um, but it, it's fun. It does come with little tiny, what's a scale on them? Like six mil zombies? Uh, slightly larger than that. Um, it's whatever It's whatever the same scale that Hot Wheels makes their cars at. Yeah, so it, it's little tiny zombies, which make great tokens for every unrelated game ever. Um, and excellent for Gaslands, which has some zombie-related uh, content. Yeah, pretty much every photo that I see of the zombie bash mode from Gaslands, everybody always uses the Twilight Creation zombies. I mean, 
they're fairly inexpensive and they're the right scale. So why wouldn't you? Um, you wouldn't because they're the best option. Yeah. And then let's get a little more modern. Zombicide. Zombicide was a cool mini or not project. And it's a co-op board game for, you know, four-ish people where you play a group of survivors fighting against hordes of zombies. And, you know, each playthrough you can pick from a number of different scenarios and set up a board and zombies and there's uh, typically the goal is to run around and loot a bunch of buildings get specific items and then use those to escape that can be fuel that can be uh su just food supplies that can be getting a certain weapon to kill a big zombie something like that um there have been a huge number of expansions and they're on like zombicide 2.0 now and Zombicide really draws more from the... It draws from the Left 4 Dead style video games. Because there are multiple zombie types. There's the standard zombies, which kind of shamble towards you. There's runner zombies. There's, like, big fat blob zombies that uh, take more to kill. And then there's a, like, zombie abomination that is a absolute terrifying beast that comes at you and just tries to murder everyone in the group um brains i'm just here for the brains uh, zombicide also had a space version uh i forget what it was called um i think black site and it had a fantasy version actually multiple fantasy versions one that was just uh one that was called black plague and had a necromancer as the like end boss for the levels and one that was called, I think, Green Tide, and switched it over to, like, orcs and goblins swarming instead of zombies. Yeah, uh, I've heard, I've actually heard Black Plague is the best version of the game. I disagree. I find Black Plague to be a little clunky in terms of some of the mechanics, um, because it encourages hand-to-hand -hand combat so much, and hand-to-hand -hand combat doesn't work against the zombies real well, because they just overwhelm you. Got it. Um, it, it's really a matter of choice. I like the original, and I haven't played the sci-fi ones, but I think those look very interesting. I like the alien zombie aesthetics. Because they're like, you know... Uh, they're kind of dead spacey. <laughs> Necromorphs. Yeah. Um, so that's... Those are some of the big board games. There's also Dead of Winter, which is a zombie survival game uh, based kind of on the uh, the Walking Dead comics and show in that it is about a group of survivors dealing with the zombies and also dealing with the fact that you're trying to survive the apocalypse and like a crappy winter in the apocalypse where you have to get fuel, you have to get food, you have to get like materials to board up your base and survive against hordes of zombies that are trying to constantly break it down and also there's internal struggles as everyone has their own goals and their own ideas on what should happen and getting frostbite is almost as dangerous as getting bitten by a zombie most of humanity has forgotten how much winter sucks yes um although i can think there's some russian soldiers who are about to find out oh shots fired Right into a bridge. Yeah. And all <laughs> not by the Russians, because their AKs are uh, rusted shut, but Um It it's an interesting game. I find it to be too difficult. 
because if you're playing with the traitor mechanics, it is too easy to sabotage the survivors. Um, a single traitor can, generally speaking, absolutely wreck any survivor plans just by contributing less than they said they did or um, doing suboptimal choices, and then the survivors will, as a group, lose, and only the traitor will win. Uh, I mean, that is that is thematic to the genre, but uh, not great as a mechanic. Yeah, it's not as fun when um, the, the odds of the group losing are very, very high, unless you play everything perfectly. And even then, you might play everything perfectly, but the, uh, the traitor might still just, like, steal a bunch of stuff and leave. And uh, you're screwed. I do find it plays very well without a traitor. Um, if you're tempted to just do it that way, it's tough enough that surviving as a group requires planning and strategy and, like, coordination between everybody. So that can be fun. Um, yeah, Dead of Winter, it's not one that I've played, but it's one that I want to. I also really like the uh, B-movie real like photography mashed up with art aesthetic it looks like a grindhouse movie it does it has a very grindhouse feel and also some of the characters are kind of grindhousey um because all of the characters have various skills and abilities and a like morale level that when they die uh the group will take a morale hit depending on how much everyone likes them um including the drunken alcoholic Santa, who, when he dies, there is a morale boost to the group. <laughs> oh, thank God he's gone. Yes. Uh, my favorite character is, like, Ralph the Wonder Dog, who is a golden retriever, like, dog actor who <laughs> can't be turned into a zombie, can't use items, but is also, like, him being alive gives everyone a morale boost. Um, as dogs tend to as do. As dogs tend to do. And he's also just very, very good. Um, the goodest boy in the apocalypse. Despite the fact that he can't use items, he can still, like, search places. And he ignores a bunch of other penalties. So he is really great at finding the items you need quickly. Because he's just going to go, you know, sniff through the abandoned convenience store or whatever. Go get it, boy. Go find it. Yes. Um, he's just fantastic to have as a group as a member of any group. Uh, and then there are a bunch of other zombie board games. Um, there's a zombie dice game where it's, you know, you roll dice to see if you're doing the thing. It, I feel like that one doesn't, isn't really zombie themed other than it has zombies printed on the box and uses like brains as one of the symbols on the dice. Um, it is. It uses the symbolism of zombies. Yeah, the the mechanics are just very straightforward there. Um, the Walking Dead All Out War is questionable as to whether it's a war game or a board game. Um, but you know, it's factions of people fighting each other and also fighting zombies. I've heard gateway game as a uh, term for that for games that are kind of in between war game, but also not quite board game. Yeah. Uh, Last Night on Earth is sort of a 
multiple players like modular small town thing where the humans have to work together and scavenge but it's interesting because people can play as the zombies and sort of send the uh people towards the send zombies towards the uh survivors i always wanted to play for the zombie team i hope they let me be on their team when they eventually rise up yeah all they want to do is eat your brains they're not unreasonable I'm not using it. no one's gonna eat your eyes <laughs> um, so yeah plenty of zombie board games and there's a bunch more that we're not covering just because time there's a lot of them and we haven't played all of them and we don't want to really talk about stuff we haven't played and aren't 100% sure on but then you have zombie war games like as we said Walking Dead All Out War uh, there's some others uh, I think the one I'm most interested in and I think is probably the strongest would be uh last days which is yep, last days. yeah which is an indie zombie war game it um does a really nice thing of setting up different types of war bands that you can pick up based on sort of the style of survivors um where i think it's like selfish selfless and neutral so a selfless something like that a selfless group of survivors is the heroic types they're gonna try and run out and save everyone they can you're Rick Grimes. Yeah, you're Rick Grimes. Uh, the selfish group is the, like, they're hoarding the resources. Um, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're survivalists. They don't give a shit about other people. They're just going to survive themselves. Um, and then the neutral ones are just sort of whatever. Uh, civilians who are just trying to scrape by and might help, might not. But they get different benefits based on which group you're in and different types of survivors can join the groups um it has some neat mechanics for how the zombies work on the table uh with firing weapons create sound tokens that causes zombies to show up um and to like come into the table and you can have random events where it's like huge hordes of zombies show up and just wreck your whole day um, I heard food. It's over here. It also has a neat sort of base building thing. Uh, it's designed really strongly for like long form campaigns where your war bands play over and over again, uh, maybe in like a small group of people. And in between games, you use the resources you get to build a better base to recruit new members. Uh, it's kind of a Necromunda style game, but with zombies. A literal dead world. Yes. And of course, zombies are zombies show up in plenty of other tabletop war games. Uh, fa there are fan zombies in all sorts of fantasy games, uh, usually controlled by necromancers, but not always. Um, you can fight them in Rangers of Shadowdeep. You can fight them in Frostgrave. Uh, I think there are cyber zombies in a couple of cyberpunk war games. Um, there's, I mean, that is that is what happens when you connect to an unfamiliar network without a firewall. Yes, always, remember kids, always have a firewall. And some antivirus software. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy has, you know, an entire army of undead that includes zombies. Uh, Warhammer 40k has the plague zombies that are a Nurgle unit. Zombies are everywhere. Zombies. They walk among us. Um, and then we have role-playing games. There are several role-playing games that 
deal with zombies. I mean, you have them as a monster for standard D&D. They're not typically infectious in any manner. They just, you know, are undead. They've been brought back to life by a necromancer or whatever other method the dungeon master decides is good to bring them back to life. Uh, they're hard to kill and that they kind of can get back up after being dropped to zero hit points unless you, like... That they do. Aim for the head. <laughs> um, but they're not that hard to kill because they're slow-moving style. Um, you also have games like uh, All Flesh Must Be Eaten, which is, you know, straight zombie survival. Uh, there's a series of games that are sort of apocalypse-themed, like generic apocalypses. And one of them is a zombie apocalypse. Uh, there are... There's an Army of Darkness RPG. If you want... Uh, I really? What do they call them? Deadlings? Deadites. Deadites. Yeah, the, the, I think the top two are... The top one really is All Flesh Must Be Eaten, which is zombie survival horror. Um, the Apocalypse World system, which includes the... is. Uh, that, uh, Last Night on Earth. And if, there's also some horrors games that you could use to represent a zombie apocalypse in sort of a more, um, you know, in, if you wanted to do a different style. If you want a, like, zombie RPG game that ends with the sort of hopelessness and the zombies winning... Play Dread, which is an indie RPG. I don't think I've heard of that one. It's an indie horror RPG that takes the horror aspect very seriously. Spooky! Uh, you could also play, uh, what is it, like Ten Candles, which is a game about the end of the world. You could just throw zombies in there. Um, if you wanted to do like a heroic fighting the zombies, you could use a Savage Worlds system. Or a... Uh, Maybe a Powered by the Apocalypse game. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, All Flesh Must Powered be... by the Apocalypse would be interesting as a zombie game just because of its uh, lesser focus on direct combat and more like how you interact with things. That could be interesting. Yeah, that would be good to make sort of a horror-esque, but like a triumphant horror where your group of survivors manage it oh, keeps managing to slip away from the zombies but the world is continuing to fall to them so there's plenty of options for doing a zombie rpg there's plenty of options for zombie tabletop there's plenty of options for zombie um t uh, war games and there's some good options for zombie miniatures for those war games i personally think the most effective one would probably just be to buy a zombicide box set if you're doing a modern game because that will give you so many zombies. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to run with your idea the other day of like uh, weird nineteen fifties. Because I've got all these very nineteen fifties looking black and white zombies. Yeah, uh, you could also, if you want fantasy zombies, buy a box of undead for Warhammer Fantasy. Just always buy a box of zombies and skeletons from gw you can use them for literally anything i have a box of gw skeletons they are useful for literally anything and they're reasonably priced for a gw product plus you get a bunch of bits out of it which is great for hobby stuff well i mean they are skeletons so i'm assuming that they consume much less plastic than 
your regular uh, Warhammer model. Probably, yeah. Uh, but I guess there might be a little more finicky in the molds, so it goes either way. That's a possibility. Um, in any case, what would we like to see for zombie games going forward? Ed, thoughts? Mm. What would you want to see for a new zombie game? I don't know if they've done something that's like a pandemic uh, spinoff with zombies, but something that's more like higher level trying to fend off the impending, impending apocalypse. Did I say apocalypse? Yep. The Zimpocalypse. Uh, something that's more uh, larger scope focused rather than just, hey, we're trying to survive. Because I don't think, as far as I know, that's something that's really shown up a whole lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like zombies have kind of had their heyday. And usually... At least it feels like in a lot of art forms, that's kind of the spot where things start getting interesting because you get people who are trying to experiment with a genre and do something different that hadn't shown up during the height of the popularity. But I don't know. They seem just to have fallen so far out of public consciousness that I don't really know what I would want in a new zombie game. Yeah, I mean, I would think that... Yeah. I think that there are some interesting concepts you could play with um flipping it and having people play as the zombies more could be interesting yeah there is there is one from twilight creations uh called humans which is their uh i guess you could call it companion piece to zombies where you play as the zombies and there's like you know different each zombie has like its own specific character that you play as because they have, you know, traits held over from when they were still alive. And from what I've heard, it's actually the superior superior game to zombies just because it has more uh, interesting mechanics and it's less just, you know, we're trying to get to the end of this maze and that's it. Yeah. I mean, and, and my thought is that, you know, you play as zombies and you have to deal with the humans who are terrifyingly terrifying forces to a zombie because they can run they can hide they have weapons that can reach out and touch you from a distance yeah it's like a i am legend but just from the with zombies instead of pseudo vampires yeah. or actual vampires as in the book yeah um should have just stayed with the vampires for the movie uh, Would i don't know they i mean they made multiple movies even so yeah. I don't care. I don't care about I Am Legend. Um, let's see. The other things you could do with the zombie genre. I mean, we've had one zombies in space, yes, but why not more? Um, um, there was an zombies expansion uh, about a zombie outbreak on the uh, ISS. Unfortunately, it's also like the worst expansion for the game. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it would be. Uh, just, just setting that up would be weird. But like a Mars colony with zombies could be interesting. Ooh. Um, yeah. Partially because you would have to deal with the fact that the outside zone is... You'd have to, you know, track your oxygen or whatever. Honestly, that seems like it would be a really good expansion for Dead of Winter. 
we have to go outside, but there's no oxygen. That means there's no oxygen for them either. They don't exactly. need to breathe. If like, that would be the next dead of winter scenario that I would want to build. Is, you know... Dead of Mars. Yeah, essentially, a dead of Mars. Whatever. Because um, you'd have to have... You have to balance surviving on Mars with fighting zombies and keeping them from killing you. Uh, I th- that that makes the survival aspect of the horror much more interesting. We should add that to our ever-growing list of games that we yes, should publish. Yes, definitely. Um, and I'd also like to see more interesting takes on zombies themselves. Um, instead of just the classic ones, like how... Uh, the Last of Us did the fungal zombies that everyone thought were oh, quite yeah, interesting. Cool. Like, what can you do to make zombies different and to act in a different uh, manner? Um, cyber zombies that are centrally controlled by a hacker. Cyber, yeah, cyber zombies that have that are essentially kind of Borg-like. Uh. The zombie equivalents in the Stephen King novel Cell were quasi hive mindish. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I was um, thinking. I don't know exactly how those ones worked, but you know that was an interesting version of zombies where they sort of were quasi hive mind. Um, um, there's I don't know. Did you ever read uh, Deceased? The DC zombie apocalypse series that came out a little while ago. I got a ago. little of that, yeah. Yeah, there was like the the weird zombies that are like anti-life equation somehow makes zombies and it transmits through uh, electromagnetic frequencies. Yeah. Uh, you had Marvel zombies where, you know, you throw superheroes in with zombies and that gets interesting. Uh, and there actually is a Zombicide Marvel Zombies game yeah, in production, I and I got the I got the email for it, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, because I was waiting for them to add the Marvel Zombies in a Crisis Protocol, which uh, I would prefer that route, because if you want to go all in on the Zombicide thing, it was $500 plus $100 shipping, and I was like, hell no. Yeah. Zombicide is crazy expensive, I will say. Um, so superheroes versus zombies is an interesting one. Um, I don't know. I, I could also see something like robots versus zombies where all the humans are dead and it's up to the, the robots that they left behind to, you know, build a society or find something to clone Uh, new humans. It's like dead of winter, except you're playing as the zombies and it's a robot apocalypse. And because there are no there are no more humans left you're trying to survive as a zombie in a world where the robots were made to fight the zombie apocalypse yeah that could be interesting um <laughs> almost shades of like horizon zero dawn there with the you know leftover robots running around murdering the zombies and the robots being nearly impossible to kill as the zombies try to like <laughs> me develop me basic tools, make rock tools. Yeah. To fight robots. Um, it was a book I saw recently about, uh, animals like, like in a zombie apocalypse, you know, an intelligent crow 
working with a, a dog to try and like survive after the humans all start mutating into zombies. Um, that's an option that could be interesting, especially yeah, if you I were like doing it as a role-playing game. Uh, setting up people as that non-human survivors in a zombie Actually reminds me of a board game uh, that I have be called Good Dog, Bad Zombie. Uh, yeah. That yeah, one, it, uh, we played it once. Uh, I think we ended up actually playing it wrong, and it kind of uh, goofed up the way the game was supposed to run, and so didn't seem quite as enjoyable as it probably should have been. But I like the idea of being a, uh, a pet animal in the zombie apocalypse trying to save the humans. Yeah, or at yeah. least save yourself, because what else can you do? I'm a parrot. What do you want me to do? Or a crow or whatever. Um, Yeah. uh, And there's plenty of other forms that zombies can take. I mean, it could be that the zombie disease is like crystalline or something. So now you have zombies with crystals growing out of them. And it makes it hard to shoot them in the head uh, when the bullets bounce off. For one part of Dark Souls where they have a, a mad wizard that's trying to experiment with immortality and ends up creating zombies that are like infested with crystals doesn't come with any any cool side effects like you just described though yeah Ooh. yeah yeah or you know steampunk clockwork zombies um that one would have to be interesting because someone has to build those but if you have some sort of like crazy steampunk magic machine that just like the zombies drag the corpses back to the forge Honestly, or the that foundry like or whatever, and it plot. turns them into zombies. Yeah, could be. Or I mean, I feel like it would be a more generic steampunk plot, but yeah, that could be fun for any of that. Um, so that's definitely a thought. And how do you deal with that? You have to blow up the forge or the foundry or whatever. Um, but yeah. There's, there's still stuff that can be done with zombies. Zombies aren't completely done yet. And, you know, as time goes on, I think we'll see some more cool zombie football team on Blood Bowl. Happening. <laughs> they can't carry yeah, the ball. Yeah, zombie on zombie Blood Bowl. <laughs> they just drop it. Um, uh, you hand off the ball to the vampire and he flies it into the end zone. Oh, that makes sense. You, you infect the other team and they become zombies. That would actually be a really cool mechanic for the undead team if you like, uh, ax- if you kill one of the other Blood Bowl players, uh, you get a chance to revive them as a zombie for your team. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that would be pretty entertaining. Uh, for all I know, that could be a rule because all I ever play is uh, as either Amazons or Dark Elves. Yeah. So yeah, zombies. They're interesting. There are a lot of zombie-related games. Uh, there's still some cool design space that could be explored with them. They're the second greatest monster in fiction. What's the first greatest? Is it man? The xenomorph. Oh. No, xenomorph. I think it's man. I think the greatest monster in fiction is humanity. <laughs> no. <laughs> the xenomorph is two. The zombie is three. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, but you gotta... <laughs> it turns out it's man. Has to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of Futurama. I've created them. I've combined the essences of the most evil animals and put them together. Turns out it's man. <laughs> the, 
Turns out it's man. Yeah, the the scary door thing. Yeah. So, um, zombies. Great monster. Not as great as having humans be the monster. And honestly, that's true of a lot of zombie movies where humans are the yeah. real monsters. I mean, in Walking Dead, they spend a surprisingly little amount of time actually fighting zombies. Once you get past, like, the days gone by plot arc, it's basically just them dealing with other humans being dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Zombies are an element of the setting. They're not the real threat. The real threat is other humans. Um, and that's true in a lot of zombie media. 28 Days Later, yeah, the zombies are bad, but the other survivors, worse. Um, trying to think of off the top of my head other scenarios like that. Um, I don't watch enough zombie movies to really tell you. Um, in any case, zombies. There's Yay. Fun. And then we have the board game corner. And today we're going to talk about a classic. A classic of the let's get complicated with Woo! it board game. Arkham Yay! Horror. Uh, this is one that we've played, but not in a while. Um, Arkham Horror is one of the sort of grand Lovecraftian board games that's been around for a while and was one of the first things to really... I'd say it's one of the keys of the board yeah. game revolution in that it was where someone made a board game that is deeply complicated and deeply detailed and still managed to get a decent mass yep. media following. Uh, it's currently published by Fantasy Flight Games and is in its third or fourth um, edition now. Uh, in it, you play as... It's a co-op game where the players pick a variety of sort of Lovecraftian characters, ranging from a hobo to a detective to a nun to, uh, I think, a newspaper There's reporter a to, a to a professor. There's a whole bunch of options. And you come to the town of Arkham. And you run around the various locations in the town, gathering resources, investigating, looking for clues, looking, trying to figure out what's going on. While various monsters spawn in and various gates open to other dimensions. You have to close these gates, usually by going through them, fighting something on the other side and coming back out and sealing it. And you need to fight the monsters before they run around and terrify the townspeople so much that it awakens the Elder God that you're fighting. There are a number of different Elder Gods, each of which has different sort of things that happen when you fight it in the end, all of which are bad for you. Um, and there's one of them that when he wakes up, the game just ends. Yeah, if you're having to fight the Elder God, you're in deep shit anyway. It's very hard to beat the Elder yes, Gods. Yes, it is very, very hard to beat the Elder Gods. Typically, you want to win by just shutting enough portals before the Elder God fully awakens. Um, but when all else fails... Bring out that holy sword and the shotgun and just wail on Cthulhu until he goes back to sleep. I've heard hit... I think last time we played, I did that with a fire axe. Yes, I've heard hitting him with a boat is also useful, but uh, the stars just might not have been right at that time. Nope. Uh, so, it's a complicated game. It has a lot of moving parts. It takes a long time to play. It's a that two it to does. three hour minimum game. And... 
it also, because it uses dice, because the drawing of items and events is random, can sometimes just spike on you and kill characters in such a way that it, the game essentially is over. But it won't finish the game. You still have to play it out, and it can be drawn out and sad as you get into a spiral of losing as you run out of resources more and more and more monsters keep spawning that you can't do anything about. Um, yeah. And the more players you add, like we played a full eight player game and it took us all damn. Day. Yeah. With the more players, the more complicated, the more stuff is going on. Uh, I think it's sweet spot is around four to five. Uh, yeah. but I haven't played enough games with it to really lock that down. Um, I will say playing the hobo, always a good choice because then you get the dog. And like we've said, dogs, great companions in any game. I don't think I ever had a preference for any one particular character. I do remember there was one game that we played where I was like the heiress and I had just a retainer. So I just had all the money and could basically buy anything that I That's wanted. That's a good one. I like the hobo and the scientist. Uh, the hobo gets the dog, and the dog is super useful. The scientist gets a device that stabilizes the universe around her, so portals cannot open at her location. Which is clutch if you've figured out, like, where the next portal is going to open. You can run her there, and, like, if you've sealed the other spots on a location, you can have her sitting in the last one, preventing that portal from opening. Nope, not doing that. Yeah, that's uh, that can be very clutch for slowing down the awakening of the Elder God. Uh, Arkham Horror is fun, but like we said, it's complicated. It takes a long time to play, and there are other faster versions of it out now. Uh, Elder Sign, for example. Yeah, I like Elder um, Sign. It, a lot of people prefer that because it plays a lot quicker and still has the same thematic element. And there is also a sort of, and I think Elder Sign's zoomed out a little more. Uh, it doesn't focus on the places within the town. It focuses more on just the generalness of the town. Um, there are also a couple of other games. Uh, Mansions of Madness is a zoomed-in one where you kind of play tactically in a much smaller area. Um that one, it's like individual rooms of a house and like alleyways. Um, I don't think I've seen that one. That one's interesting because it uses, at least the second edition, uses an app to control the monsters and how mm -hmm. they move around and how stuff functions. Uh, I've, I'm always wary with games that rely on apps just because... Uh, as everybody this last week found out with Overwatch that, you know, the company can just turn it off. Yeah. The downside of Mansions of Madness is that it is very limited in the number of scenarios that it has. Boo. Because, like I said, it, the app has to control all the information about the scenario and how the monsters are acting. Um, the upside is that it has some very nice miniatures of, like, Lovecraftian monsters. Yay, miniatures. Uh, instead oh, yeah. of just the, like, uh, Lovecraft monsters are surprisingly somewhat difficult to find. Yeah, well, I mean, the upside miniatures. is that the miniatures for the like heroes are pretty good, and then it has some, you know, like cultist deep ones, some other sort of Lovecraftian stuff. I think there might even be like a Cthulhu figure. I'm That'd not cool. sure. 
I remember uh, Horror Clicks had a giant Cthulhu miniature. Yeah. And there are a few other versions of that. So the monsters are not the greatest models. They're kind of board game style clunky, but worth looking into. So that's Arkham Horror. It's a classic. You've probably Mm, seen it at a board game store. Uh, I'd say that's probably the second game that got me into hobby board gaming after uh, Zombies. Yes. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. Um, and that's our episode. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, etc. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Noel Country. Follow us on Twitter at Noel Country. Unless you want to leave the bird site because Elon Musk is buying it, in which case, good on you. Just re- just retweet that picture of him and Jelaine Maxwell. Or him without his hair. You got nothing to lose. <laughs> I forgot about oh, that yeah, one. Oh yeah, he hates that one too. Um, or that that weird uh, torso torso. Oh picture. yeah, where it's like he he's just all ribcage. Yeah, that one's. Yeah, weird. he's a weird dude. And weird dudes should not own websites. Look, weird dudes own all the websites. All websites are owned by weird dudes. Oh shit, that's um, true. I'm, I'm, I would point out that weird dudes should not own mass media channels. That that That's really where I'd go with that. Also probably shouldn't own car manufacturing companies and... Uh, Quote, car manufacturers. Yes. <laughs> car as a service manufacturer companies. <laughs> um, yeah, ugh. we do not like Elon Musk on this podcast. We are not, we are a anti-Elon Musk podcast. Which is fine. He doesn't make board games, so we don't have to worry about it. Not yet. And if he did, it'd probably be some kind of scam anyway. Yeah, it would. It would be a. It would be crypto the board game. Crypto the board game. Uh, somehow trading water futures, but when you put it into the app for the game, you're actually placing real life. Actually, I think we talked about doing That's, a crypto board game where it's just how about scamming people out of their money. Yeah, um, we did should should still should still do that but i feel like crypto has by this point like so literal cultural cachet that it's like would anybody even care uh i don't know i think it could be fun to make and you know the crypto bros aren't gone uh i know they're not gone but everybody's like oh wow aren't those weren't those guys dumb now yeah but the next time there's a massive economic shenanigan which i would say is probably within the next year or so They'll be back, and they'll be like, if we had crypto, this wouldn't happen. Despite the fact that, you know, if we had crypto, it would be worse. But, yeah. I still contend that the Russian invasion of Ukraine killed crypto, since at that point, everybody's like, oh, there's something else on the news to pay attention to other than crypto. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that that broke the crypto news cycle. But speaking of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, support Ukraine! And do yep. the other things Ed's about to tell you to do. Uh, you can donate to the Ukrainian Red Cross and the uh, uh, Armenian Red Cross. Good ideas. You can follow me on Instagram and Adam Madness. I'll uh, post some of these zombies here that I've been working with this black and white color scheme. And uh, it's not perfect, but I think this is about as close as I'm going to get to what I had in my brain. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, donate to your reproductive justice funds. True Colors United. Don't talk to the cops. 
uh, burn down capitalism. I don't know. Uh, yeah, do all those things. And as always, yep. go Knowles. Go Knowles.